Welcome, everybody, into our Mavericks post-lottery podcast, the Ballsy Podcast for SportsDayDFW.com and the Dallas Morning News. I am Kevin Sherrington. I will shortly be joined by Evan Grant and Sean Bass. But with me right now is the man, the expert, the guy who's been all over America scouring every place you possibly can to find talent, Fran Frischilla. Fran, how are you doing? Kevin, I'm doing great. I'm only an expert because I get to uh I don't get to have to actually make these picks, you know, so I'm undefeated. <laughs> uh, that that's the only reason I'm an expert is I have an opinion, but I don't have to get I don't have to be in the field of battle like Rick Carlisle and Donnie Nelson do. Well, that's you know, that's see I won't even call my you know, I don't have to be in that battle either, but I surely would never <laughs> call myself an expert at anything. So, uh, so now you have been, uh, you spent last week at the Combine, I guess a little bit over the weekend doing that, and yep. you, were, you seem to be having a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, you know what? Uh, basketball for me is 12 months a year. Um, the college season ends, and I, I'm lucky enough to be part of the uh, ESPN draft coverage, both at the Combine and, of course, on draft night with the international players. And uh, I keep myself very busy, even in the summertime, running, running high school events for Under Armour. Uh, getting a chance to be around guys like Markel Fultz and Dennis Smith and Terrence Ferguson when they're high school players. So uh, it helps my broadcasting during the season when I when I cover a guy that we've coached at camp. And then, of course, that institutional knowledge uh, hopefully pays off a little bit when you're telling viewers on TV what you think about certain prospects. No question about that. Now, was at the combine, most of these guys are, I guess, maybe all of them uh, who were uh, yeah. going to be in the top ten. None of them showed up for the combine itself. But were there any surprises there for you? Well, uh, yeah, there were. Um, you know, Hamadou Diallo, a young man that was a high school player who uh, reclassified early, graduated from high school in December, so this past uh, season. Uh, joined them in January, I believe, and, and uh, with the idea that he was going to be a freshman next year. But Coach Cal gave him his blessing to take part in the Combine. And while he didn't play, he's one of the most athletic kids in the draft. If he stays in, Kevin, you're going to see a guy like that who really wasn't on the radar the entire college season rise up, particularly if he has good high school, excuse me, good uh, workouts with teams because he really is probably one of the three best athletes in the entire draft. So he was a surprise, I think. I think the fact that uh, uh, De'Aaron Fox came to the Combine, and and as did Markel Fultz, two of those guys in the top ten, both very engaging kids, very energetic personalities. And uh, I was particularly impressed, impressed with De'Aaron Fox and his charisma, uh, the point guard from Kentucky, um, and nobody really jumped out in terms of the five-on-five. Five. Uh, of course, last year, even Malcolm Brogdon didn't jump out when he played five-on-five, five, and all he may end up doing is, is becoming the NBA rookie of the year this year. So there'll probably be some more surprises that comes out of the combine you know, later on down the road. You know, what do I know? But uh, De'Aaron Fox is really intriguing to me. I, I know these other guys are really good, and maybe I've just yeah. seen Fox play more. But just that that, that speed, you know – in any sport, if you can introduce that kind of speed into it, I think you really got something. Well, that's a great point, and uh, the league is, is is trending that way without a doubt. Uh, we call it uh, pace and space. 
and so the pace of the game is certainly picked up, and then the spacing so critical because uh, without hand checking right now uh, up above the free throw line, um, everybody gets into the lane. Uh, you know, if you're an NBA guard, it's not hard to get into the paint. And in order to keep a guy from getting to the paint, you've got to crowd the lane, which means shooting becomes more important. And now if you're an NBA defense, you have to pick your poison as to whether to keep John Wall out of the paint or, um, you know, give Bradley Beal an open shot. And that's really the way the best teams are playing. In De'Aaron's case, he's got tremendous speed and ability to get to, all the way to the rim um, and has a good mid-range floater game. The, the question with him um, will be, you know, can he improve on 24% three-point shooting? Uh, again, because of the way the game is, teams are going to keep him or dare him to shoot and take away his teammates' shooting. So he certainly has major strengths, and then he's got a couple question marks. But character, NBA athleticism, and NBA speed, uh, off the charts. All right, let's uh, let's look now at the at the post lottery picks and see what they're going to be. I want we want you yeah. to go over what we think the top ten picks are going to be. The Mavericks, of course, did not get any luck once again, and I guess they got some luck because they did, at least they didn't drop back. Uh, but, right. But they are ninth uh, in in this uh, in this draft. So let's just start right at the top. Uh, and who do you yep. think that uh, the Boston Celtics are going to take? Markel Fultz, uh, the young man from Washington, uh, Huskies, uh, from uh, excuse me, from uh, Washington D.C., six foot four guard. He can score. He can play the point. Um, Dwight is the one question. Washington win this year, and uh, he did all he could. Average twenty three, and uh, Boston. And I think that uh, he'll he'll team up with uh, uh, former Washington Husky Thomas Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, and everybody says, well, he's a point guard, so how are you going to play him with those guys? And as you know, Kevin, the NBA game is 48 minutes. Um, you got to have more than one playmaker out there. And uh, I think he's going to be a great fit for a Celtic team that's playing in the Eastern Finals and yet was able to come away with the number one pick due to crafty trading. So I really like him at number one. Yeah, you know, it just seems a little unfair, doesn't it, that you're you're in the conference finals and you're getting the first pick of the draft? I mean, come on. And wait. Boston and uh, they've got a lot of good young pieces needless to say we're we're playing we're having a little bit of technical difficulties here we hope that we got you back we missed most of that uh but that's all right uh let's uh let's go on here to uh your second pick the Lakers and that was no surprise yeah uh that that was uh you know I mean how about Boston LA and Philly one two three you know three story franchises that all need help so um Lakers uh you know, Lakers have uh, struck gold here in the sense that they're going to have an opportunity to take the leftover, I think, of whether Boston were to take, uh, you know, Fultz or Ball or Josh Jackson. And I think given the proximity to UCLA and Chino Hills and the fact that uh, notwithstanding the, the antics of the dad, Lonzo Ball staring them in the face, 
six foot six, Jason Kidd like point guard. Uh, to me, Kevin, one of the best passers that I've seen in this generation. Um, he transformed UCLA basketball almost single handedly this year. And, uh, you know, given the fact that there's great structure in place there with Luke Walton, Magic Johnson, uh, Kobe involved a little bit with the team, um, I think this kid's going to find a great home with the Lakers. And, uh, you know, the father may be somewhat of a distraction, but uh, I think Magic, Magic's personality and, and Luke Walton, you know, his ability to relate, relate to players is going to be perfect for this young man. So it was rigged, right, for the Lakers to get that second pick? NBA rigged it? <laughs> well, I'm a Knicks fan, so I remember when Patrick Ewing was, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, when Dave DeBusher was holding the frozen, uh, you know, the frozen card, you know, the. Uh, <laughs> but so uh, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't doubt anything that might go on these days. But uh, I think it's great for the league. I really do. I think it's great that uh, Boston's on the way back. The Lakers now have some hope, as as does uh, Philadelphia. Yes, and, and speaking of which, Philadelphia is next. You know, they've been piling up, uh, you know, uh, top picks now for several years, and Sam Hickey got uh, fired and didn't get a chance to realize all that, and now mm-hmm. it looks like it's all coming to fruition. Yeah, and they've got, they've got some interesting decisions here. You know, if the draft goes, you know, Fultz ball 1-2, Philly's got uh, interesting decisions because, first of all, they've got to deal with injury issues. They've got to figure out whether what the, what the status of Joel Embiid is going to be um, because he had glimpses of brilliance this year and then they had to shut him down. Obviously, they we haven't seen Ben Simmons on the court yet. Uh, Brett Brown, I, I heard late in the uh, regular season talking about Ben Simmons. They're going to try to play him as a point guard at six foot nine. That is um, so crazy to and, me. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because the one thing they don't really have a lot of right now, and Saric had a terrific year as a rookie, um, the one thing they don't have is a plethora of shooting. And at, at number three right here, there's nobody really staring you in the face outside of a Malik Monk at Kentucky that would fit that particular need. So I think you have to go what you think is the best player available here and and just accumulate assets and deal later if you have to. And, uh, you know, Josh Jackson, to me, would be the pick here, uh, the, the six foot eight two-way forward from Kansas, uh, plays with a chip on his shoulder, excellent defender, handles the ball well, rebounds the ball. Um, shooting was a question mark. He came on at the end of the year, shot 50% from three to second half of the year, and is a high-energy, tough, hard-nosed kid that uh, could be a defensive stopper. That would be my choice here. And then uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Sixers are, are wheeling and dealing as well, potentially trading a guy like Okafor, uh, you know, may, maybe even a Sarich if you could get back, a, you know, an NBA uh, starter, you know, uh, maybe with, with a little bit more offense. So that's my pick there, but it's going to be very interesting to see what Philly does. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one 100%. I like Josh Jackson. You know, just the fact that he's a two-way player, there's uh, there's not a lot of those. And I mean, you can right. get one and a guy. That he, so he's going to be able to contribute to you right away, even if he struggles a little bit offensively. Yeah, and he's 20 years old. You know, he turned 20 in February, so he's a little older freshman than a lot of these guys. But uh, he does have that uh, uh, tenacity and alpha dog mentality that I think he is going to. 
come into the league and not back down right away. Let's put it that way. Right. So here's my team next, Phoenix, which tanked so obviously during the season. At one point, (laughs) they started a starting lineup that was younger than 15 of the teams in the Sweet 16. That is unbelievable to me. That they were so unabashed about the fact that they were tanking. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And they got it. They got those kids a lot of experience. And, uh, you know, they have, they actually have an interesting situation here because Eric Bledsoe's coming off probably a career year for them, uh, the youngster from Kentucky. And they already have Tyler Ulis uh, uh, and Brandon Knight. Uh, that's three Kentucky guards. And to me, the logical choice here is to, uh, and by the by, by the way, Devin Booker as well. Sure. And I think they're I think they're going to add their fifth Kentucky guard right here with uh, with the Aaron Fox, and they'll have the ability to wheel and deal some of those other players. But if you put the Aaron Fox's speed with Devin Booker's shooting ability, and the fact that neither one is of age to drink right now, <laughs> um, you've got one of the youngest and and maybe most dynamic backcourts in the country in the NBA, I should say. And, uh, you know, if you use Bledsoe as the third guard, so be it. But, uh, you know, I really like the Aaron Fox here, high character, speed, and then you're really setting yourself up long-term with Devin Booker in the backcourt. So if it were me and I were Phoenix, um, that would be my guy at four. Plus, Booker covers up a little bit for the fact that Fox's shooting isn't really top-notch right now. That's exactly right, and, and Fox covers up for the fact that, uh, you know, he's going to be able to be a bulldog defender, you know, and maybe cover up for a little bit of Devin's uh, uh, deficiencies on the defensive end. And, uh, again, you know, in a league that, you know, you covet, covets depth, um, to have a guy like Eric Bledsoe playing so well and maybe mentoring these two young Kentucky guards isn't all bad either because you can't play with five, as you know. You've got to have an eight or nine. Uh, you know, man rotation, um, you know, to play 82 games over the course of the season. All right, moving on to number five, everybody's favorite franchise, the Sacramento Kings. Uh, yep. What do you see there? Well, the Kings can really improve uh, with five and, and ten. Um, they're actually in reasonably good shape here. And uh, Buddy Heald came on at the end of the year and, and shot the ball extremely well. Um, Scalabissier, the, the youngster from Kentucky, who uh, many thought would be a top 10 pick and slid all the way to 28, showed some signs of promise at the end of the year. <laughs> and uh, a kid I really like here for the long term, and I think potentially one of the very best players in this draft, and maybe the best one five, seven years down the road, is Jonathan Isaac from Florida State. He's six foot ten, highly athletic, um, good feel for the game. Uh, can play both the three and the four spot, can shoot it from deep, can defend, block shots. Um, again, good IQ for the game. Only averaged eight shots a game this year at, at uh, Florida State on a deep team and uh, terrific long-term potential. And, uh, you know, to me, you got Jason Tatum sitting there from, from Duke and some other quality players, Malik Monk. But I think for the long-term potential of this franchise, Jonathan Isaac makes sense here as a guy you could play at the three or four spot. And uh, there are many people that have him as high as five, but uh, I've watched enough tape to think that uh, he could be someone that could be very, uh, very special NBA player. Hard to get that kind of length. There's no question about it. <laughs> no doubt. Length and athleticism and shooting uh, are three things that all teams covet, and this kid's got the, all three uh, 
if not an abundance, certainly uh, huge potential to be to have all three uh, and fit right in as an NBA player. Okay, Orlando at six. What do you have? Well, you know, right here is where uh, things start to get interesting because Orlando needs a little bit of everything, and uh, probably their best all-around player right now is Evan Fournier, the French kid, uh, can play the two or the three, and I think this would be a good landing spot for Jason Tatum, the Duke forward at six foot eight. Um, I'm not as in, in love with him as, as other people are, uh, but um, he's a fundamentally sound player. He only shot 34% from three this year, and that's the college line, so that's going to have to be an area of improvement. And uh, But he's a worker. He, uh, he, he knows how to score points. And, uh, you know, he's going to be a teenager playing in the NBA with a lot of long-term promise. So, you know, he fits Orlando here, good quality uh, uh, character guy. And, uh, you know, someone that Frank Vogel can nurture a little bit as uh, that franchise tries to get back on track. All right, on this next pick here at seven, this is where uh, I advocated uh, if the Mavericks had not got on that four-game winning streak in the first week of March, <laughs> if, they, if they had tanked a couple of these games, they could have moved up at least this far. So who do you have yep. the, the Timberwolves taking at seven? That's a tough one because they need shooting. They need to surround Rubio and, and uh, streaky Andrew Wiggins and, of course, Carl Towns with uh, – uh, with someone that can really make shots. And uh, this would be a great place for Jonathan Isaac, by the way, if he slides to seven, and he very well may. Um, so that's a guy that, uh, you know, you look for if he does because he, he fits perfectly. Uh, Malik Monk is here, and while I'm not in love with him, um, I think that Malik Monk, because he's a, an elite shooter and has a, has a knack for making tough shots, would be good here, and I, I see Malik Monk as a Jamal Crawford off-the-bench scorer, second-unit scorer. They're going to get Zach Levine back healthy, and, uh, you know, you, you could go Lowry Markin in here, the youngster that's been compared to Turk, and give you some perimeter shooting from a seven-footer. Be a nice uh, nice pairing with uh, with Cat, uh, with Carl Anthony Towns, but I'll, I'll go Malik Monk here safe, gives you some athleticism in the backcourt, and uh, second unit scoring. He's a little bit of a volume shooter to you? He is. He is, and I'm not in love with him. You know, but you got to take somebody unless, you, unless, you're, uh, unless you're Tom Thibodeau, and as you're, if you're as impatient as I know Tom Thibodeau is, this is a perfect place uh, to trade uh, your seven pick for a veteran. Uh, absolute perfect place, and Honestly, Kevin, what happens with teams right about now is if you're not in love with your pick, um, you start to get on the phone and either trade down or trade into next year's draft or trade a veteran for this pick. And uh, it's very possible that Minnesota, who's kind of on the clock with the development of their young guys, it wouldn't shock me at all if they're willing to deal on this pick. Plus, this draft, the top part of it, is full of point guards, and so is Minnesota. Yeah, and, and, and you know, honestly, Ricky Rubio had his best season, although not a lot of people know that. And uh, the thing about Rubio that is very underrated that Tom Thibodeau loves is he is an excellent NBA defender. Uh, may not look like it, but he's got arms down to his ankles. 
Um, very smart player, obviously a great playmaker. The shooting's always been a question mark. Uh, but given the fact that Chris Dunn, the, the, the number three pick, or number uh, maybe he went four last year, I think, uh, he was a bust. So um, Rubio's their guy right now. And uh, wouldn't be surprised to see them package uh, this pick for a veteran, you know, two guard or, or someone that gives them a little bit more maturity to go around those young guys. Number eight, New York Knicks. Phil Jackson is still trying to revive that franchise. He did. A, he got a pretty good pick with Porzingis. Uh, so yeah. is he going to go European again? Well, if they go European, it's not because they love to. They just got lucky with Porzingis because he was the only guy left at four. You know, right. so. Uh, you know, and now uh, the guy right here that makes sense to them, and there's some Dallas Maverick fans that may not like this, and there may be a few that don't even haven't even heard of this guy, but this is a perfect spot for Frank Nielakina, the French guard, who's six foot five, 18 years old, can play both the point and the two, can shoot the ball, good playmaker chance to be really good defender and has a good IQ for the game. Total long-term potential here because he's going to play his entire NBA rookie season as a 19-year-old. Uh, but uh, this is a good spot for the Knicks because he can play both guard spots, which makes him versatile for the triangle, and uh, actually could be a guy right here that breaks the Dallas Mavericks' hearts. Yeah, because I think it's uh, they they have really targeted him. I think they they like mm-hmm. him a lot. Uh, if yep. they so if the Knicks take Nilakina, that leaves yep. does that leave Dennis Smith for the Mavericks? Well, it, it, it could be. You know, Dennis did not finish the season strong um, after having some really good games, including thirty two points at uh, at Duke in a win. You know, inexplicably, NC State uh, won at Cameron. And he's what I call raw. And let me explain that, Kevin. He's got tremendous athleticism, NBA uh, strength, speed, athleticism, the whole package. Um, he'll be. He'll have to come under the tutelage of Rick, Rick Carlisle and his coaching staff because um, he was in a system this year at NC State, quite frankly, where he was able to do what he wanted. He's got a chance to be excellent in pick and roll. Um, because he he does see the floor well, and he does have the strength to get into the lane. So you're looking at him right here. You're looking at Lowry Markinen from Arizona, um, who's not the next Dirk. Let's not go that far, right? Because right. Uh, nobody is. Uh, potentially um, Zach Collins from Gonzaga, the seven-footer, who can play inside and stretch a little bit, but not ready to defend anybody. So... You know, Mavericks are going to be Mavericks going to be at the mercy here of who falls to them. You know, does Jonathan Isaac fall to them? Does Neil Aquina fall? You know, could it be somebody like uh, you know Dennis Smith that's still on the board here? So, when you're picking where the Mavericks are, you pretty much just have to sit tight and wait to see, you know, where all the pieces fit for these other teams before you can really, really figure out for yourself where you're going you know it seems to me for this pick the Mavericks you know you take the best player if a guy falls just what you said there's no question yes. about that and they can certainly yes. use talent just about anywhere except for me maybe it, it, uh, it I don't want to do anything to impede Harrison Barnes uh development he had such a great yes. year uh somebody who could work with him at, but but other than that 
I, I'm I'm thinking it, everything is up in the you know for for uh, consideration here. And you mentioned Zach Collins. You know he really surprised me for Gonzaga last year. I hadn't seen him play very much, and then in the tournament he was just mm-hmm. terrific. Uh, yes, I, I, I'm in, I'm intrigued by him and what he could do. Uh, and and what bothers me a little bit about Dennis Smith is the attitude. Uh, it, it seemed like there was the, some bad body language during the year. Well, it's it's a good point, and and, and you know it's funny. Um, I would feel the same way about Dennis Smith watching him on TV. I did see him in person this year practice. Um, I will tell you, I've been around him uh, at at some of the All Star camps. We've had a chance to really work with him and. You'll find that um, he's got that tough bulldog Kyle Lowry look on his face, um, and maybe got a chip on that shoulder. But uh, I think if he comes in, uh, and, and he probably will, uh, and, and works out for the Mavericks, that they'll find that he's a uh, alpha alpha dog kind of kid. Um, he's from a military family, interestingly. So what he kind of shows on the court. Kind of reminds me of Josh Jackson. You want a little chip on the shoulder if you want to play in this league, because these kids are going to be playing with men. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be as concerned about the attitude based on what I've gotten to know. So, I think what I would be worried about is how quickly can he learn the NBA game because there's going to be a lot of teaching involved. But uh, again, he's going to, you know, guys like him and Marketing and maybe Monk and maybe Isaac are going to be, uh, depending on which which way the first eight teams go that's how the Mavericks need to be prepared to go based on who goes where hey Fran I'm going to ask you one this, this is, is Evan Grant, Grant jumping in here. Hello, Evan. how are how you, you um, outstanding just a little bit late after a Ranger game <laughs> last night but um yeah. I, I one question here for for a real layman and, and that is is this on on Nilakina if he's if he's available yes Yep. The idea of an 18-year-old coming from international play just doesn't overwhelm yep. me. What concerns would you have about a, a teenager coming from the international game into an NBA franchise and, and trying to contribute yep. initially? Yeah, it's a, good, it's a really good question, Evan, and that, that, that question would have been even harder to answer 10 or 12 years ago. And now, But now we have over 100 international players in the league. Many of them are are, you know, there's a couple superstars, obviously. There's a whole bunch of starters and rotation guys. And so that would have been a hard answer. That's why Donnie Nelson was so ahead of the curve, you know, with Dirk and, and, and you know, even guys like Bobois, who I think could have been a good NBA player, minus some of the injuries. And Donnie knows that scene better than anybody. But to answer your question specifically, remember, he will turn 19 in July. Um, he's playing in a league that is better than any NCAA league, okay? I mean, <clears throat> the guys he's playing with right now on his own team, Eric Murphy, who played for the Chicago Bulls, started, you know, Florida. Irvin Walker was a really good college player at Florida. Romeo Travis, who was LeBron James's high school teammate, played at Akron. He's been in that, uh, you know, European basketball for over 10 years. So he's playing at a higher level than in college. Um, he's also very well coached. He's also a very bright kid, got a great attitude, shoots it well, shooting over 40% from the international three, which is closer to the NBA line. Um, and I've always compared it this way, Evan. If, if, the, 
if the NBA is the equivalent of what you see every night uh, in the major leagues, college basketball in the Big 12 ACC is double-A baseball, and Spain and particularly French pro-A is triple-A. So, you know, you got a guy like um, Malik Monk, for example, at Kentucky, and my comparison is he had 290 in double-A this year. Right. Whereas Neil Aquina might be hitting 275 in triple-A. Okay. Um, so he's a little closer to the major leagues, if you know what I mean, than maybe some of these college guys. But at 19, he's still going to have a major adjustment. But he's got terrific uh, feel for the game, good IQ. He's just slightly above a, an average NBA athlete, which makes him a very good athlete. Right. That's my pick right there. If they get uh, Nita Kina, that's mine. I love the seven-foot wingspan. I think the potential is great. And, and I, I, I think that this Mavericks team is going to need to go through another lottery, and hopefully they'll get it right next year and tank a little earlier, and they can really get <laughs> – High up in the lottery. You think you, think you can talk Neil Aquino into taking the T out of his name? that make it easier for everybody? <laughs> just making it easier to spell and pronounce. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, all you guys have to do is just follow my lead on draft night when you're watching, and I'll get you all the pronunciations. You know? <laughs> that is great. Because, I, because I, when I get – I could say that he has three arms and everybody will believe me as long as I say the say his name right. So I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm really lucky. But, no, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know – I trust Donnie in the process, and, uh, you know, uh, I know the coaching staff's now diving into these guys, so I'm sure they're going to be well-prepared draft night. Thanks very much, Fran. It was all great. You know what? That, that's a lot of work to have to break all that down, and, uh, and, and you're not getting a dime from us for it. But we, we certainly yeah, appreciate I, it. You're the best. I don't work for a living. Thank you. I do not <laughs> work for a living. You're right. I, I sure don't. I know that for yep. sure. Fran, thanks for coming on. We'll catch you again soon. My pleasure. There he goes, Fran Fraschella. What a guy, Dallas guy. Um, has, has been a college coach. He's been a, a been a broadcaster. He's been an analyst. He's done it all. He gave us a lot of good insight there on the top nine picks. I think that uh, that a lot of people see it falling that way. But I, I was like happy to come in there and, and ask a really good question there <laughs> at the end. You couldn't see that on because you know we don't have this on Facebook Live anymore. We used to we used to try to do that, but Evan was very excited that Fran said that was a great question. Yes, because I my NBA draft knowledge would be uh, let's just say it would be spare. 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 Is that kind of like you just in general? Spare. Yeah. All right. Now we have to be moving on now because we're going to yes. have our our next podcast is going to have. Uh, Babe Loffenberg on to talk about the, the Cowboys, mini camp, Jalen Smith, whether uh, uh, the Cowboys. Nerve regeneration. Oh, yeah. Nerve regeneration. Get, let's get into that. Let's get his medical opinion on that. Uh, and then, of course, we're also going to have our old pal, Evan Grant, talking about the Rangers uh, at some point. We are? Yeah. How did we get him? Yeah. It was unbelievable. It was really hard work on my part. So, anyway, until our, our next podcast, we'll see you.